how are you or you know, maybe the industry in general, but how can you build healthier by improving your process rather than simply adding cost? That's a good question. So you have to start with a general pursuit. You can't get caught up in exactly how you go about things. So for example, what we do with our customers, we tell them to what standard we're, we're building their home, not how we're building their home. Hi, I'm Jeff Lee, the host of the Building Forward podcast. I'll be speaking with the building industry's most thoughtful leaders on the technologies and business models transforming productivity in the built environment. In other words, data, analysis, and big ideas with a hard hat to help your construction business evolve and thrive. Thanks for stopping by. Let us know what you think and what keeps you up at night. The Building Forward podcast is produced in partnership with Jeldwen Windows and Doors. Visit Jeldwen's professional portal at professionals.jeldwen.com for assistance with your 2019 projects. You'll find product comparison tools, how-to videos, and case studies, plus information on Jeldwin's extensive selection of windows, patio doors, entry, and interior doors. That's professionals.jeldwin.com. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with David Everson, CEO of Mandalay Homes, while at the Housing Leadership Summit. We talked about how Mandalay incorporates construction techniques that lead to healthier, more energy-efficient homes in the intersection between trades, training, and technology. Here's our conversation. David Everson with Mandalay Homes, thanks so much for joining us. Can you start off by introducing yourself and your role at Mandalay Homes? Dave, Mandalay Homes, I'm the CEO. We're in our 20th year. August of this year will be, be 20. We formed it in 1999. I'm just happy to be, have survived it. Tell me a little bit about Mandalay's mission and what sets you apart. You know, speaking of survival, I mean, we had a, an opportunity to, to build some affordable housing back during the recession and for the city of Phoenix. And what that did is it opened our eyes to some construction practices, mainly through you know, the grant funds that were provided. They wanted us to meet certain standards. Once we understood it, knew it was viable, it's hard to look back. It became part of who we are. So I'm particularly interested in the way Mandalay approaches some of the big picture disruptive changes that affect housing. So let's just take healthier housing, for instance. How are you, or you know, maybe the industry in general, but how can you build healthier by improving your process rather than simply adding cost? That's a good question. So you have to start with a general pursuit. You can't get caught up in exactly how you go about things. So for example, what we do with our customer is we tell them to what standard we're, we're building their home, not how we're building their home. The second you lock yourself in, you know, and you, and you now have some level of restraints or handcuffs on innovation, until you're done with that particular community. Well, we don't build a lot of communities you know, in a row, and so it, it creates a protracted process of innovation. So first step is to get the flexibility in, built into the system, that's, that's what we did initially. From there, it's holding yourself out there, letting your trade partners know what your pursuit is, paying close attention to what technologies are advancing, what's meaningful, and using the performance standards, the, the ResNet program, to, to do some cause and effect and some testing. You've also had a big focus on zero energy ready homes. Why has that been such a focus? <laughs> well, they were the first ones to recognize us, and so you don't want to fail them. And it's, and it's also tangible. You know, they, they're holding themselves out there as the next step. You know, you've got Energy Star, which is very recognizable, but Energy Star is about building consensus and getting everybody on board. They're about numbers. And so they needed a compatible program, and I think that Department of Energy program gives us a forum to set ourselves apart and to explore what's possible. 
And similar to healthy homes and, and possibly even overlapping ways, is there a way to build higher performance homes more, more productively rather than simply more expensively? Of course, yeah. You have to look at your restraints again. You know, the trade partners, they're busy. You know, they don't have a lot of labor. They're just trying to get things done. And so you have to make it convenient for them. If you make it convenient for them, you know, they, and they can be proud of what they're doing, you can get a better home without the added cost. But it's about buy-in. Also, you have to have a commitment. You can't say, I'm gonna offer a certain component of the home as, a, as an option and let it be consumer-driven. That fails every time. You have, to, you have to pick what you think is the right solution, get it job-costed, get it supply-chained, and provide a standard. Why is that consistency so important? Is it because of that, the supply chain and because of needing to get your trade partners so involved? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, 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 like any option, you know, we all pursue a, a base home cost that is at margin. And then you let the consumer pick certain options where you try to make up that difference. We're a low cost provider of a base home as an industry, not enough to pay the bills. So if you put you know, a healthy home or an energy efficient home in as an option, it's gonna be job costed at a premium. You talked about kind of the challenges of getting your, your trade partners on board. Um, how much are they influenced by, you know, the skilled labor shortage that we're all, uh, that's affecting all of us or, you know, how is that impacting you as a builder as well? It has a big effect. But if you get to the, if you get to the decision makers at the, at the, at the trade partner base, you'll find that they all care, they all take pride. If they're going to make a business decision to do something that is a burden on them, they'll do it out of pride. They'll do it because they think it's a better way of doing business, they'll think, it, think it's where we're all going as an industry. Those are the guys you want on your side. Have you seen the, the training needs change both within your builder operation and within the, the trade partners that you work with? Yeah, I mean, we've had to put training in place because the, the apprenticeship program isn't as prevalent, you know, I mean, we've lost a lot of people from the industry. So you have to be process driven and maybe simplify the process so that, a, you know, less skilled labor can be effective. What do you see as the single biggest challenge affecting the building industry as a whole? <laughs> the single biggest. First of all, I don't want to say that, that, that the industry has problems. I mean, because it's what really what it is right now is, is it's recognizing some of the things that we've been doing for generations that could be so much better. So it's, it's a bit of a renaissance in the industry. So if you look at what could or should be done to make ourselves way better than we are today, it's good to get more out of our, our existing labor force, make them more efficient, you know, and empower them. Hi, Sean Van Dyke here. I've written a series of articles specifically for builders and contractors with proven tips for boosting the profitability of your business. They're part of a larger series created by Jeldwin called The Business of Building. And you can access these valuable insights now for a limited time. Head over to jeldwin.com forward slash business and get the ideas that will help you get ahead. That's jeldwin.com forward slash business. And now back to my conversation with David Everson, CEO of Mandalay Homes. Does that come back to training again or is there more that needs to be done to, to make the existing labor force more productive? I think it's training and then the introduction of some technologies. You know, I mean, so, I mean, we can all put together a desk from Ikea, but I couldn't build a desk with carpentry tools to save my life. You know, so that, you know, as a, as a comparison, we just need to, to put people in the right position. 
and give them, give them good tools to work with. What have been some of your accomplishments that you're most proud of in making Mandalay more productive? I think it's our steadfast you know, ideology that you do not ask permission. The second you stop and ask permission from the consumer, your trade partner, the utility, your municipality, and you say, I'm not going to do it unless, unless they allow me to do it, I think that puts you at a disadvantage. I think you, you need to find ways of improving your product without having the need to ask anybody permission. Not to, not to break the rules, so to speak, but find the opportunity that you control. And we've done a great job of that. Are there examples of that where you feel like you kind of broke the mold a little bit and then it ended up working out? Yeah, you know, there's generations of product, you know what I mean, so of, of pursuits. You know, part of the de Department of Energy program is to provide a discovery home year to year. And so that's where you, you know, push, push the envelope a little bit and try to do something different. Initially, it was just building a better envelope, you know, building, a, building something that was uh, more airtight, more efficient, and getting the assembly correct. Getting that cost effective by trading dollars around and, and having a computer model to the point where I was still competitive, I could offer the home at the same price as my competitor, that was, that was a milestone in and of itself. The final pursuit in that assembly was the air exchange rate. It's how often the indoor air and outdoor air exchange. And what happens is that each time it exchanges, you have to condition that, that air. Obviously, that's a load on the system and costs energy to do. And we've tried all kinds of things. And the one thing that we stuck our neck out and we ended up buying a sub-license and self-performing is the aero barrier system where we get it below one on an exchange rate, and I think we're averaging 0 0.7, 0 0.8. We've done just over 300 homes that way. And it's, it's a proven technology for us because I can sleep at night. I can say, okay, I'm not getting to the exchange rate based on workmanship or what, you know, if somebody misses something with a cocking gun, <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about that mishap. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a truly applied technology that, that gets us there with science. Using that air barrier story as an example, were there barriers that made it seem like that might be more challenging or that you had to overcome? Was that trade partners that you worked with that you kind of had to, to convince that, that that was the way it needed to be done? We just avoided it. You know, I didn't go to my trade partners and ask them permission or support in that regard. I believed in it, we believed in it as a company, and we made the commitment. So that commitment got our job costing right and made it viable. We're effectively doing that for free now. So you think about, you talk about adding cost, right? Once it was proven, we did 100 homes to do, to, as, a, as a beta test and kept track of our data. Now you can back off of other job costs. So I don't have my framer, my drywall guy, my painter doing work that is currently, you know, in the industry being, you're issuing a purchase order for them to caulk this or seal that and so on and so forth. I went and recaptured some of those dollars coupled with right-sizing the mechanical equipment and having a controlled environment, it's free. Are there similar lessons then that you can take and apply to what you're working on next in terms of solar panels and energy storage? Yeah, but I need help. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're subsidizing it because we believe the help's coming. It's just a practical solution now that we're where we're at with the house and how it performs. We don't need much. We know we only have six panels on the roof and 10, 10 kilowatts of storage, which was relatively light, to get to a very, very affordable utility bill. Nearing, you know, some of our homes were just paying service charges, some of them would be 10, 15, $20 more than service charges. So that's pretty, pretty significant. 
when you say there, you know, help is coming. Is that coming from more exactly. Is it coming from more educated trade partners? Is it coming from the government getting more involved? Where, so where's that? Where's that help going to come from? That takes a community. We can't do that on our own. We we committed to it. We're doing it, and we're demonstrating the benefit. And the benefits are varying, you know, throughout the industry. You know, so it's helping labor. It's helping our trade partners because we're not burdening them with extra labor. Okay, so you take man hours down through the whole process. But the biggest thing is there's the collateral benefit. You know, who is benefiting by what we're doing and who's going to contribute? You know, the utility company is benefiting, the grid's benefiting, society is benefiting, the environment's benefiting, the mortgage companies are benefiting. You know, it's so as a, a consumer, obviously benefits. You know, I was just on a panel and we were talking about, you know, okay, what are we going to do to get the consumer to, to fully understand all the benefits and maybe pay for it? And that's a pursuit I just think either happens naturally or not at all. But is it truly necessary as an industry, can we rally around the real solution and figure out to share cost, share the benefit, and be cost neutral? And I think that's where I need help. And it's there, it's, it's viable. What areas of innovation or technology within Mandalay or, or maybe even within the industry are you most excited about? I think it's the focus on the fact that we have to be different. We have to, we have to change, you know? So if you look at you look at the technologies, the storage technology is the next greatest thing for our consumer, for, for really the world, is, is being able to control energy, you know, not just the, not just the power, I mean, when and how it's used, and make sure it's used effectively. What are you focusing on most in the, in the months ahead? We're opening a new community that is platformed as entirely clean energy, and we have some new, new technologies that we're trying to get Again, trying to get the most out of our, our storage. Our battery storage comes with technology of its own. And so now you have this sophisticated software, firmware, and components in your house. There's all kinds of potential with that. You know, we, can, we can eliminate other components and centralize it in this, in this one, one cabinet. And so lighting, that's our next big pursuit. It's 43% of the electric bill. We're spending a lot of time as an industry, LEDs have been great, but what happens is, you know, you produce DC power on the roof, <laughs> you invert it to AC, you send it out through, you know, your line voltage to your fixture, there you convert it back to DC and run your LED. I mean, that's wasteful. So we're gonna, we're gonna use this very, very sophisticated piece of equipment that's being underutilized. It's just doing the battery storage and energy management, right? Which is a big deal, but it, it's, it's like, any CPU is capable of infinitely more. And I get the most out of it. Let's have it run our lighting. What's the greatest source of inspiration for your work? Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just fun. I mean, you like building stuff. You know, you like seeing it when you're done at the end of the day. I, I used to have to, I used to have a job where it was Groundhog Day, the first of every month, where you had the same reports to do over again and, you know, and the same unrewarding practices where, you know, you get, you get, asked why you did or did not sue something and and being able to take my kids through a community and say, hey, we did that, that's fun. What makes you optimistic about the building industry in the years ahead? Well, look at the group that's here today. They're here for a reason. And these guys are smart, powerful, influential people. They're gonna, they're gonna figure this out and, it, and, and it's not business as usual. They know that change is on the way and they're gonna keep an eye on it and they're gonna make good decisions. And they're, they're gonna follow their lead. Good to be part of it. Thanks so much for taking the time for me. You're welcome.
Thanks again for stopping by the Building Forward podcast. Let us know what you think by emailing me at buildingforward at hanleywood.com. Thank you.